0: God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, through our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, again, thanks for having me here this morning. Uh, I'm going to be here next week, and then uh, President Lang will be here the last week in January, as we've uh, got five Sundays in January. Uh, but we're going to kind of tag team on a sermon series—a sermon series on the book of Habakkuk, uh, the Old Testament book. This guy with a strange name, right? You look at that, and it's like, man, how do I say that? Uh, Habakkuk is known as a minor prophet. Uh, Minor prophets aren't because they're less important, just because those books are shorter in length than the major prophets, right? He's a minor prophet, but he packs a major punch, is what we're gonna see over the next three weeks. And Habakkuk really wrestles with one question that all of us get stuck uh, in from time to time, and that is the question of why? Any of you ever ask that question of anyone or of God? Right, why? Uh, Question comes in all kinds of forms. could be, why is the world so messed up, right? Uh Why is my family having so many problems? Why doesn't my spouse understand me? Why is the person that I love suffering? A why, 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 we can fill in the blanks, right? It really boils down to this form. Why, God, if you are so good, are you not doing something about this, fill in the blank, right now? Perhaps you can relate to this question. Uh, And the goal for our three weeks, uh, as we kind of walk through the three chapters of Habakkuk, uh, is for us to learn how to frame such questions of why and walk through such seasons uh, in our lives when we're dealing with those, uh, to do that in a way that is healthy, to do that in a way that is biblical, and in a way that is grounded in Jesus, and in the end, uh, in a way uh, that moves us from a place of being troubled by our questions of why uh, to, to being triumphant in faith and continue to keep our eyes focused on the author and perfecter of our faith in Jesus. And that's really what we're going to see in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, you see uh, Habakkuk being moved from troubled by his questions of why to the end of the book that we'll see in a couple weeks uh, being triumphant in his faith. Uh, there are some people in this world who are unwilling to admit that their life is kind of a mess. <laughs> right? Uh, maybe you know, maybe that's me, right? But uh, those are the people uh, that perhaps you've met someone like this, that they could be literally crawling out of a car wreck. They're just in a car accident and you stop, you're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? They're bloodied, their clothes are torn, they're looking horrible, right? Uh, and you come up there and you say, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm really doing okay, I'm fine, right? Uh, that literally not being able to admit and to say, I'm not doing well at all. Uh, that no matter what you say, they're going to say, I- I'm d- I'm, doing fine. Everything's going okay. Right? And there are people on the other end of the spectrum, that could be you or somebody that you know, uh, that they'll never stop talking about their problems at all. <laughs> right? No matter what you say, uh, they'll spend all day thinking about the worst things in their life uh, so that when you ask them, hey, how's it going? Uh, they can say, you're gonna, never going to guess what happened to me. Right? And then you're going to hear all the negative things that they've been storing up waiting to be able to tell you. Now, many of us, when it comes to our relationship with God and with God's people, we tend to fall more into the first group, that we don't want to to tell everyone what our problems are or how things are going, that we're always going to say, everything's going great. Right? We put on ro- rose-colored glasses for everything that we talk about. That no matter how crazy life gets, uh, how easily we're overtaken by some sin, how deeply our loneliness might get, or anxiety we might struggle with, uh, many of us refuse to let the words, you know what, I'm not okay. We refuse to let that come out of our mouths, be it to God's people around us, or be it to God himself. And here's what you need to know. And this is really the major teaching for this morning. We're just going to kind of circle around this point uh, for our time together. That it is safe, and it is healthy, and it's a sign of maturity when you are able to admit to God and to his people that there are questions questions and wrestlings that you have, that there are struggles that you deal with, and that your life is far from what you want it to be. I'm gonna say that again, since this is the major point, right? It is safe and healthy, a sign of spiritual maturity. uh, When you're able to admit to God and to his people that you have questions, that you have wrestlings, that there's struggles in your life, that things are not the way that you want them to be. Now as a prophet, Habakkuk was a prophet and he really had one job and his job was to protect protect God's people. Now he went about that in a different way. Kings, right, would protect God's people using his army. They would govern well, right, but prophets protect God's people through their mouths, right? By what they speak. Uh, They're going to speak truth to God's people, either uh, presenting his law, this is what God's requirements are, this is how God designed life, or his gospel, his promises for his people, that, that prophets would protect God's people by what they would say. His job was to perceive threats, within the people, the people of God, and external threats from outside. Uh, And he was to speak God's truth uh, about those threats with hope to the people, of moving God's people, moving those people to respond to those threats, either internally or externally, with faith, to trust in their God. This was the job of the prophet. And Habakkuk prophesied in the mid to late 600s, before Christ, right, where Old Testament, and he could sense in the people of God that things were not very good at the time. And as his job as the prophet, he's like, hey, I need to speak up about this, right? Internally, he could sense that God's people had abandoned any sense of faithfulness to their God. They were kind of like, hey, we're doing our own thing now, right? Uh, leadership had become uh, corrupt as well in that time, and he's looking at this going, this isn't good. And externally, outside of the people of God, outside of uh, Judah, uh, uh, there was threats from other nations. And they're like, hmm, we're this little old nation here, and there's these big old bad nations around us. Uh, There's a threat there as well. So he's concerned about all this that's going on. And if you remember God's people, there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom, eventually they, they had been taken over by this big bad nation called the Assyrians that came and just decimated them. Now Habakkuk is prophesying to Judah, the southern kingdom, that they're small, and now he sees his big bad nation, the Babylonians, and he's like, hmm, we've got internal problems, we've got external problems, I probably need to speak up about this, right? To protect the people. So Habakkuk knew that this deterioration internally, what's going on, all this corruption that's going on, uh, this left his people vulnerable to attack externally. So he did what any good prophet would do. He opened his mouth. He spoke up. But here's the unique thing about Habakkuk. Most prophets, when they speak up, in the Old Testament we see, they speak up to God's people. They open their mouth and they talk to the people. But Habakkuk doesn't do that. He opens his mouth and who does he talk to? He talks to God. (laughs) The whole book is just this dialogue of Habakkuk's going to God. And he's going, hey, we got all these issues, your people, the internal, external, I'm coming to you. And he comes to God, he writes, he he speaks exclusively to God. And really what we have is Habakkuk crying out to God. God, why is this going on? about all that he sees, all the questions that he has, his personal frustration, his anger that he has, this situation at hand, he's frustrated about that, and it's a very personal and honest look at Habakkuk's heart as he pours that out to God. So what Habakkuk did is that he threw his frustrations not at the people, but he threw his frustrations at the feet of God. Listen again, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Right. This is Habakkuk's first kind of complaint, his prayer here. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Oh, I or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? He's like, what are you doing sitting around? You see all this? You're not doing anything right. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, right? Things aren't going the way they should. Nobody's doing anything about this. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Hmm, (laughs) you're not very happy, right? So when was the last time you got angry at God? When was the last time you got angry at God? Not angry, uh, in a sense, at God where you're frustrated or pout in the corner, but in the sense of angry with God where you actually express your frustrations to him in a prayer that extols all your anxiety, that, that, that speaks all your frustrations. Uh, Maybe it's on a Sunday morning when you're literally singing praises to him, but there are tears running down your face or just those things stirring up inside of you because of the issues that you have with him. Have you ever done that? Some of us who were raised in the Christian faith may have grown up with a really backward idea that it's never okay to complain to God that it's never okay to speak our frustrations directly to him. But see, that's the, the really neat thing about Habakkuk. He reminds us that it's, it's safe for us to wrestle with our whys. Uh, And that we uh, have the freedom to respectfully and yet honestly throw our frustrations at the feet of our Heavenly Father, uh, which is, by the way, a true dynamic in any healthy relationship, right? In any healthy relationship, uh, and our relationship with our Father is a good one, right? He's a good Father, it's a healthy one. In any relationship made in the image of God, uh, you should be able to open your heart and express your frustrations without fear of repercussions for simply being honest. Right, you actually love having people in your life that you can do that with, uh, and maybe sometimes you play unfair games with God—the uh, same games that you play with other people in your life. Uh, where rather uh, when you are deeply frustrated, rather than say what you're frustrated about to that person, right? Uh, rather than actually come out and say, I'm really frustrated about this, you simply wait for that person <laughs> you are mad at to figure it out, right? It's kind of like, I'm going to walk around. I'm going to be frustrated. I never do this at all, especially with my wife, right? <laughs> right? Uh, you, you kind of like, and they're like, is there anything wrong? And you're like, no, nothing's wrong, but of course there is, right? As you're kind of stewing around and waiting for them uh, to kind of pull that out of you, to notice and drag it out of you. And until that time, you simply sit and silently stew, and you convince yourself that you are punishing them for all those, those frustrations that you have, yet all along the only person you are harming is yourself. right? And in reality, we can look at that and go, okay, that's immaturity, and we all deal with that. And if we think about that in the context of our of our spiritual life, our relationship with God, what mature followers of God do, and what Habakkuk models for us, is that mature Christians don't sit silently wanting, waiting for someone to notice that they're frustrated about things, but they respectfully yet honestly express what is going on. They express their questions, their fears, their concerns, and, and that is not only true in these earthly relationships that we have, uh, but it's particularly true in our spiritual or heavenly relationships that we have with God. And Habakkuk throws these frustrations at God's feet. He brings them right to him. Now some of you may be thinking, okay, I understand that, that we shouldn't sit idly by. Uh, We should openly express our frustrations, openly express our complaints to God. But maybe we're thinking, but what's the point? God already knows all of them, right? He's all-knowing. <laughs> and he's also all-powerful. So if He knows them and he's all-powerful and he hasn't done anything anything about it, then why should I even bring that to him? He's going to do what he wants to do, no matter what. He's sovereign, right? He can make those choices. Well, let's think of two different reasons why, even though God is omniscient, He knows all things, even though he is omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Why, God still? calls us to bring those complaints and frustrations and questions of why to him. Two reasons we should speak up, okay? The first has nothing to do with God, but everything to do with you. First, it's dangerous, okay? It's dangerous for you to keep your questions and your frustrations hidden away. Uh, And this is dangerous because three different things kind of build up in you, okay? Anger, shame, accommodation. Let's look at each of those. When we keep out questions and frustrations, lock away, uh, we begin to become angry that that question hasn't been answered yet. All <laughs> right, I'm not going to say anything about it, and then all of a sudden it just kind of builds up because, God, why haven't you dealt with this on whatever timeline that you have? Then, because of that, we start to feel shameful because we actually feel angry, <laughs> Right? Then we're angry, and now we're fighting with each ourselves, kind of going, oh, man, I, feel, I shouldn't be angry about this. And, da, 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 and now we're feeling shame that we heap on ourselves, uh, that, that we haven't found a solution for it, or that we are even angry at the situation. And then lastly, and most dangerously, we begin to accommodate that issue or those questions we're struggling with in our lives. We figure out a way just to live with it and put up with it, keep our lips sealed about it and never deal with it and that anger and the shame and the accommodation continue to grow we never deal with it and the space begins to grow between me and the one i'm talking to about it whether it be another person or whether it be god himself that space continues to grow it always happens Okay, that's the first reason we need to speak about those questions that we have. Second reason, you should speak up to God about your questions, your frustrations, because he has promised to hear you, (laughs) and he has promised to respond to you. Okay, don't believe me? Listen again. Jesus' words, Matthew 7, 9 to 11. He says, "Which which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Right? Jesus is basically saying, hey, even a wicked person will give his kid right what they need most of the time. So don't you think God, who is a better parent than you or I could ever be, right, uh, will hear you and respond to you and give you what you need when your questions and your doubts arrive. Jesus says the answer is yes. Listen to this from the book of Hebrews. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right here, I mean, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, The Lord is here, Jesus has opened up the way. Don't just hold those things in, but bring those things to the throne of grace. Jesus has become our great high priest, right? He's the one who grants us access to the Father's goodness. This is the key point, right? That Jesus Christ the Son grants us access to the Father's goodness. We don't have to fear going to him with all these questions and frustrations. That through Jesus' death on the cross, he forgives all the stuff that separates us from our Father. Uh, He shows us his empathy for us. He understands that. He's walked in our shoes. He assures us that God the Father will give us good things things every time we draw near to him every time here's my question do you believe that do you believe that with your doubts and your questions as you turn them over to your Heavenly Father that he will hear you and respond to you because that is Jesus promise do you believe that Good, because now here comes the hard part. (laughs) Having called out to him, Lord, here's my frustrations, my questions, my anger, all these things, to go to him as Habakkuk does. There's only one thing left. We listen and submit to the answers that come from him. Having poured out our frustrations, we must listen and to submit for his answers. And that word submit is really really important here, or earlier we sang a song that said surrender, right? (laughs) Think think about that same word, that God is not in the business of telling us things we want to hear. (laughs) He tells us what we need to hear. God is not a genie in a bottle who does for us what we demand, but does what his righteousness desires. Here's what that means. You will cry out to God with your frustrations. You'll bring them to his his feet before him. Uh, And he will tell you what you need to hear. But here's the truth. Sometimes what we need to hear are not explanations to the why, but promises, even in the midst of those whys and frustrations. You will want explanations, but God does not owe you one. He will give you his promises, and we can submit to those, and we can trust in those. You will cry out to God, and he will tell you what you need to hear, and sometimes what you need to hear is no. Sometimes what you need to hear is not yet. Uh, And we must submit to that. Before uh, it gets better, uh, oftentimes God gives us those no's or those not yet's because sometimes things have to get worse even before they can get better. And our own lives are the ones that we're coming to that we're interceding for. So in chapter 1, Habakkuk got an answer to his question of why God was allowing all this craziness. Remember, verses 2 through 4, is like, what the heck is going on here, right? Uh, he's bringing those to God. And God's answer was not a pleasant one for Habakkuk to hear. He didn't want to hear this. God's answer was that he was personally raising up the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, that's another name for the Babylonians that you see in chapter 1. He's personally raising up the enemy, right? The bad people. This is who he's raising up. He's raising up the enemy to be an agent of judgment. God is doing this against his own people. Uh, That since his people had given themselves over to godlessness, they would be disciplined by the hand of the enemy. Now, I'm guessing that was not the answer that Habakkuk was looking for, or that he wanted, right? God even tells him that. Verse 5, chapter 1, he says, this is God speaking to Habakkuk, "'Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded.'" For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. (laughs) Right? God's like, I'm doing something you can't even understand in the midst of this. God is raising up the enemy to discipline his own people. And God knows that Habakkuk would find that hard to believe, hard to grasp, hard to accept, even as he brings his frustrations to God. Why would God allow a bad people to discipline us? We're his people. Even though we deserve that, but why would God allow that to happen? Uh, and yet all of God's plans would still come true. All of his mercy would still be applicable to me. And Habakkuk is going, wait, how is this going to happen? How is this all going to work? Uh, that God's going to do this that doesn't make any sense, but yet he says his promises are still sure and certain for me. And if you ever have those questions when you're like, wait, it's going to work like this? How can that work? And you say you're still going to be faithful and still your promises are for me. And God knew it wasn't going to make sense to the prophet, wasn't going to sit well with the prophet, but that he was simply going to have to receive that in faith, submit to that and say, Lord, you know. Submit to it and believe it by faith, and that that can feel impossible at times. But I would argue that it's far better to cry out to God and submit to his plan in faith than to struggle in silence, never open your mouth, And wonder if God has any plan at all I said at the beginning that Habakkuk's name sounded strange but as strange as it sounds it's also a very beautiful name the name Habakkuk in Hebrew means to embrace right Uh, it literally means I'm a hugger (laughs) Uh, this is Habakkuk right It means to embrace in order to console. Perfect name for a prophet. But it is particularly perfect in the context of this one writing that we have from him. Because what we see in Habakkuk is that he was unafraid to embrace the problems, the questions, the frustrations. But he was also unafraid to embrace God as well. And his plans and in doing so he gives his problems and his frustrations and questions over to God and my question is are we willing to do the same are we willing to bring those to the feet of our Heavenly Father it is okay to ask God why why is this happening It's faithful for you to throw those frustrations at his feet. And we must understand that God the Father is a parent urging his troubled teenager to open up her heart, right? And not to be silent, to tell me what is going on. Uh, You want to hear that. Tell me what you're wrestling with. Uh, But yet we are tempted to be toddlers and to keep our mouths shut about the real things and just throw tantrums about that, whether silently or out loud but who ultimately, us, we need to learn what we can't understand, may be good for us. And the promises that God speaks to us, that they are best for us, and that we must learn to submit to him as our good, good father, as our parent who loves us, and we do that in faith. When we don't understand, yet we cling to him, he is good, and his promises are sure. It's not easy. But yet, he continues to chase after us. And that's what we're going to continue to talk about for the next two weeks. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise that we can come to you with our whys, our frustrations, our fears, our anxieties, our complaints, our questions. So often we think uh, we can't bring that to you, that we feel shameful to do that. But, Lord, you love us. You have called us as your own, dear children. And you desire to hear our frustrations, our questions. You promise to answer them according to your will. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are much higher than our ways. Yet we come to you in faith. Strengthen our faith again today. Remind us the gift of your son Jesus for us that walked in our shoes that opened up the door that we might approach your throne of grace and in our times of need we can open our mouths and our hearts and we can say Lord why give us the strength to hear your response and to receive it in faith knowing that your plans for us are sure and certain and ultimately good in your name we pray Amen.